Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk about traveling with kids who have anxiety or OCD. And when we're traveling with anxious kids, how do we cope with that? And so I want to dive into some hacks, some tips, some tricks that I've been doing since I've been traveling a lot internationally with my three kids who all have different themes of anxiety and OCD. So before I get started, though, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., and you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com, and I will leave a link in the show notes. So for those of you that have been following my journey, when my husband suddenly died two and a half years ago, our dream, our goal had been to travel. I mean, that was, we talked about that all the time. Like, where would we want to go? What would we want to see? We wanted to travel with our kids. We definitely were going to travel like crazy once the kids were out of our house. Like that was our retirement plan. I can work from anywhere. And so that was convenient. So, and he was probably going to retire because they retire pretty early in the work that he did. And so that didn't happen, you know, and we don't really get to plan what happens in life. And that's not what this podcast episode is about, but I just want to kind of give you a little caveat on why I feel like it's really important for me to travel with my kids. And we were fortunate enough to be set up in in a way where I have been able to travel because after he passed away, I closed my practice. And so that I could manage my kids and the online world. And that has freed me up because the only thing that's really tethering us to this location is my kid's school. And I also actually like stability. (laughs) So I'm noticing that that is actually a tether as well. I do like to come back to a home base, but um, I'm fortunate enough that I can make an income wherever I go. And whenever I'm traveling, I'm still able to, you know, I'm still able to work because it doesn't take me long to you know, support people or you make, you know, a bunch of podcasts before I travel, whatever. <laughs> so we have been traveling a lot. And initially I think it was, my kids were all on board. They really wanted to travel with me as well. They were very excited about it. And it was just interesting, the, the bumps that we hit because of the anxiety and OCD. And, and over the last two and a half years, I have developed a lot of different like tricks and hacks to help my kids be resilient And I was thinking about what to talk about today. And I was like, that might be actually helpful for other people to hear because it was trial and error. And I do a lot of weird things that maybe other people wouldn't think of. And some things you probably have thought about, but I'm hoping that this will be helpful for you, even if you just travel and it's not international, but I am going to touch on a couple of things that are international specific as we go along. All right. So let's talk about this. In the last two and a half years, we have been all over the world and we're just getting started. So we've been to Alaska. We started with Alaska. We started with the States. (laughs) I won't go into everywhere we've been, but we have been. We have been all over Europe. We went to Italy and France and Switzerland and Denmark. We've been to London, England. We went to Hong Kong. We've been to Bali. We went to Turkey. Um, We're going to Iceland. We're going to Spain. 
And so you get you get the idea. We've been and are continuing to go to a lot of places. And there were some things that popped up that I wasn't anticipating. So the first thing that I want to start with is mindset because how we view things is really important. And so you might want to ask your kids, you know, what's the what's the thing you're looking forward to the most on this trip? And what is the thing you're looking forward to the least? Sometimes a nice generic softball question, right, is going to elicit you more than if you kind of dive right into what do you think you're going to be anxious about, if anything. Now, sometimes we have this attitude of, I don't really want to ask them if they're going to be anxious because then I'm inviting a problem, but trust me, that problem already exists. <laughs> so if, you, if you're proactive and you already figure out what things their anxiety or OCD is going to get hooked into, then you're able to be a little bit more proactive in reframing their thoughts and preparing, which can be helpful. So I do like a softer question like, what are you looking forward to and what's the least? Because the least like uh, the least thing they're, lo- they're looking forward to is normally something that might have something to do with their anxiety. Well, I'm not looking forward to the flight. Or I'm not looking forward to the food. Or I'm not looking forward to not knowing where we're going. Or I'm not looking forward to like sleeping in a bed that might be contaminated. You know, whatever it might be. So that, that could be a nice beginning question. Because we want to tap into what thing on this trip makes them anxious. And I, I have found with my kids that different anxiety themes and concerns pop up for different places we're going, depending on what we've talked about. And so I know for my kids, and I'll just use my kids as an example as I weave through this episode, but I know for my kids, they are afraid to throw up. <laughs> so that's a sure thing. Um, and flying can make my kids nauseous because my youngest gets anxious and she has gagged and dry heaved in the line going onto a plane. My son, he's kind of made this association with like flying as a nauseous thing, even though he does not have motion sickness. I do, but he does not, but he's made this association. And so he gets nauseous just being near a plane now, which is unfortunate (laughs) for me and for him. So there's that going on. We have a lot of food issues. So my daughter has celiac. So there's like a legitimate issue with gluten and going to these places and trying to find gluten-free stuff. Although I will say that find me gluten or find me, yeah, find me gluten-free, that app, you can find it if you don't have it, is gold for international travel because I have found gluten-free food. We found ice cream and waffle cones in Venice that were gluten-free. We have eaten fish and chips in London that was gluten-free. We had gluten-free pizza in Paris. We have found amazing gluten. I found like pastries in Turkey that were gluten-free. So with that app, you can actually find something that's gluten-free. We were in Greece and we found, I forgot, we went to Greece as well. We found a whole store that was gluten-free in Greece that had um, pastries and stuff. So that's a really great app. But that's a side note. I mean, preparing, right? Because that makes my daughter anxious. Like, what is she going to eat? And it makes me anxious because I'm like, what is she going to eat? But a lot of preparing can be helpful. Um, My son has ARFID, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And so a lot of his OCD is wrapped around eating. Um, That's his like number one primary issue. It's too chewy and it's not a sensory issue. It's like, it just came on. And so um, the food could look disgusting. So it could be a disgust OCD. It could look not right. It could look like a character. It like literally could be anything. Uh, He's afraid to swallow, afraid to chew. So that's a big question mark as far as will he be able to eat? Um, Because he normally has kind of his go-to foods at home. 
although he gets on food jags and then he can't eat that anymore. So that's a problem. But when we're traveling, it's even more of an issue because he just won't eat. So that's an issue. My oldest daughter has health anxiety. I have social anxiety. We got a lot going on. So just to give you like a little flavoring of all the things that can kind of come up. So we work on the mindset. What And I say to myself, what am I the most anxious about? And then can I reframe it? Can I plan? So I'm an over planner. So I will get the maps out. I will get the map of the airport out and I'll plan exactly like, okay, this is where we have to pick up the car or this is where the baggage claim is. Or like I will, the more planning sometimes I think for us, the more space we'll have to take care of any fires that come up with our anxious kids. So over planning can be really helpful. I mean, I actually create like an Apple note in my phone that walks me through everything. I'll be like, the the flight is 3.5 hours long. Um, You have a layover is 2.5 hours. You have to go from terminal one to terminal two. I'll write it all down. And so all my confirmation numbers, everything so that I have more brain space to handle the inevitable struggles that are going to happen with my kids. (laughs) I mean, they've gotten so much better. It was, I remember when we first went, our very first trip after my husband died was our very first like big trip. Well, I guess it was any trip. We went to Utah and we went hiking in the Narrows. And I remember it was so overwhelming for all of us. And it was like literally a state away. It was like this like compared to everything we've done now, it was like this most minute little trip. But I remember we were all overwhelmed for our own different reasons. Um, And boy, have we come a long way since then. And so, you know, things make you resilient. So working on the mindset, um, I'm not going to go into it because everyone will have a different mindset shift, but, you know, reframing their thinking, I'm going to throw up on the plane. Okay. Well, if you throw up on the plane, you know, you probably won't, but if you do, you know, this, this, and this can happen, or we have this, this, and this. And so having their mindset shift can be helpful. The other thing that I do is I really get them immersed into where we're going. So given if they're willing to do it. And so for my daughter, my youngest daughter, actually my oldest daughter was into this too. We got into, we studied about Roman history and there was a lot of cool like Netflix, like documentaries or like interesting documentaries that kind of like reenact history in the Roman empire. When we were going to Turkey, we got into the Ottoman empire, which is like a show on Netflix. And so (laughs) I would find things that were like, they were historical, but they were also like really interesting and captivating. And so like when we were in Rome and we were standing in front of like things that they could recognize, they remembered the history of it and it made it more interesting. What that did for their anxiety is it got them out of their head. And so it got them more interested in the locations that we were seeing. It got them more interested in um, what they were going to see and less about the anxious thoughts that they were having. And a lot of times with anxiety and OCD, we can get so, so like self-absorbed. And when we kind of externalize it and we put our focus outside of that, uh, it can be really helpful. So really getting them to tap into the history or the, the place that you're going can be helpful. You don't want to force it, but that can be helpful. So we do that. And we're going to Iceland in November. I got to look up, like every time we go somewhere, I look up all the history and then I teach it to them in like my like really simple way, or I try to find like a really cool show that will like highlight what we're going to be seeing and the kids get really into it. So that can build up some excitement. You know, if they're really nervous because of their anxiety or OCD, that can build up some excitement. And then as far as OCD, I'm not going to touch too much on OCD because that's very specific depending on their theme, but 
it is a really good natural exposure to get out of their element and to be, you know, forced to deal with a contaminated hotel room or, um, you know, for my son foods that he wouldn't normally eat. I always have a backup plan and it might be good depending on like, let's say the, and I'm just using contamination as example, because there's a zillion different OCD themes. But if I know that it's probably a bridge too far, like we're not working on that yet. We're doing exposures on much smaller things. Then I'm going to prepare myself. I might bring an extra sheet that they, or a sleeping bag that they can wrap themselves in so they don't have to touch the sheets. I'm not going to expect them to you know, take a huge leap farther than where they are in their progress. And so it's not, it's not a nasty accommodation to prepare for something that they couldn't handle even if they were at home. I think a lot of times people feel bad about that because we learn that preparing is like, you know, I mean, accommodating rather is a bad thing. It grows OCD. But we have to remember, we also are like systematically working on their struggles and it doesn't happen overnight. And when you're traveling, there might be bigger challenges that are too big and they're not ready for, and you can prepare ahead of time. Don't wait for that to be an issue. Quietly pack a, um, you know, a um, sleeping bag. I don't know why I couldn't remember the word sleeping bag, scary, but, you know, quietly pack a sleeping bag. Don't mention it to them and be like, hey, I've got a sleeping bag so you don't have to touch it. You know, wait for it to be an issue and then pull it out and be like, I've got this solved. If they're overwhelmed, they don't want to go at all. Then you might say, I'm going to bring a sleeping bag with that. You know, let's talk about that. And so, yeah, some accommodations, it's okay when you are not there yet. With my son, in the past, I've brought food. Like I know like go-to food that he would eat. um, And I'd bring that on the trip with us so that I knew he had something if we needed him to get some calories in. So preparing for what their anxiety or OCD issue is can be really important. We also do a weird thing at my house where we like set intentions before we go. Normally we do this on the way to the airport. I know it's so weird and cheesy, but my kids will do it with me. And so as long as they're willing to do it with me, I'm going to still do it. And so we'll normally set a goal and we'll go around the car and we'll set intentions. We didn't do this when my husband was alive because I think he would have thought it was like too cheesy, (laughs) but we'll just say like my intention is, and sometimes I'll say like, I want to like work on my overwhelm. And so I don't want to get irritated with you guys if things, you know, are, you know, getting stressful and I'm going to work on staying calm. And, you know, a lot of times they'll talk about like, I'm going to, you know, my son might say, I'm going to try to eat more food or sometimes it's relational where my oldest will say, I'm going to try not to like parent the two little ones. Or my youngest daughter might say, I'm going to try to get along with my brother and sister. It doesn't matter. But I love that when we set these intentions and then we kind of remind remind people about those intentions as we're going on on the trip. And that kind of helps because it's like, Hey, remember you were going to work on, you know, not parenting your two little ones. Oh, okay. I know. And so it becomes kind of a nice reminder for us. So that, that is something that we do as well. All right. When we get back from the break, I want to talk about some of the nitty gritty, like just concrete things that I do to help, um, with international travel, including just some tips on gadgets and things that we do that that might be helpful. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. 
Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. All right, well, welcome back. Let's talk about some concrete things. So some of these may not be necessary for you, but some of them might. One of the things that can be a struggle for anxious kids is standing in long lines. And so I've noticed with my kids, the longer they have to stand in a line, the more their anxiety can grow. They get overwhelmed, especially in those security lines where it can feel very quick and like, you know, people are barking at you, depending on what country you're in. Our country is actually the worst as far as barking at you in security lines. I feel really bad for people who come to the United States because I feel like, gosh, you, you know, you go to JFK and like, that's not a good welcome to our country. No offense. It's bookkeepish, you know, you're getting yelled at, you know, and I get they have to move the lines, but it can be a little overwhelming when you have jet lag and you're tired. Anyway. There are a couple of things that people can do. You probably have heard of these things. This is not rocket science, but I hadn't because I didn't travel a lot before and I thought it was a big pain in the butt. So I never bothered doing it, but oh my gosh, what a big difference. So we have clear. Have you ever heard of clear? Clear, I believe is, is just a US thing, but when you have clear, you don't have to go in line and show your passport or your driver's license. You go to the clear lane and um, they're not in every city, but they are in most cities in the U.S. They're not in Atlanta, which is very unfortunate because that airport is a nightmare. No offense to Atlanta, but um, wait, they are in Atlanta. I'm sorry. I take that back. They were not in JFK and I don't know why they were not in JFK. It doesn't matter, but I think that they'll get in more. We, we honestly have been, most of the places we've been had a clear in the United States, but so you go through the clear line to get clear uh, I don't know what website it is. Maybe it's clear.com. I'm not sure. Let me. Yeah, it's clear me. 
clearme.com, clear me. And you can actually even just go to the airport and go to the clear area and like enroll there because they do have to get your fingerprints and your eyes scanned. But that line is always really short. And so that is gold in itself. Um, We took it one step further and we got a TSA pre-check. And to get TSA pre-check, and people had told me about that before and I was like, eh, I don't know. But if you're going to travel, even if you're going to internationally, well, not internationally, even if you're going to travel at an airport at all and you have a really anxious kid, it might be worth it because, again, just being able to get through those lines quicker really reduces that anxiety. And once that anxiety builds, it's really hard to get it to come back down. And so with the TSA pre-check, I believe that's a five-year pre-check. I could be wrong. Clear is yearly. So you pay for clear, it's yearly. The TSA pre-check, you pay for that. I believe it's five years. We actually just went to Staples. So you go to like, they have different places, like stores and stuff that have the TSA pre-check and you do have to get fingerprinted and fill out an application. But then once it clears, you don't have to take your shoes off. The kid, you know, you don't have to take your shoes off. The kids don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to take electronics out of your bag. And it sounds crazy or dumb, but that makes such a huge difference for my kids because the clear, we get all the way through that line. And then with TSA pre-check, we're actually moved to a different security line that isn't going to require us to do anything except just put our bags on the conveyor belt and move on. And so it cuts out about 30 minutes, but more importantly, it's a calmer approach to get into the airport. So that's that's one thing to think about. Um, another thing are airport lounges. I did not know they existed. We are not flying business class and I am not, you know, like a business traveler. But I found out recently that you can actually buy lounge access at some airports. And it wasn't crazy expensive. If you have a four or five hour layover, it might be worth it. These lounges. I had never seen, maybe you have, because I'm not as well, like I'm not as worldly, but there are these beautiful places behind the scenes at these airports. It's so crazy. So I found this app called Lounge Buddy. I got it on my iPhone, so I don't know if there's an Android version, but it's Lounge Buddy. And you go on the app and then you plug in like the airport that you're at and it will tell you what lounges are available, which ones are public where you can pay to go in what they look like, what food they serve you, and all the amenities. And I was just like, I have not been in a lounge yet. (laughs) But we had like a nine-hour stay at LAX. And if I had known about that, I would have easily paid the money to get in there because it's free food. It's like these beautiful, like comfortable seats. Some of them even have showers and sleep pods and all sorts of stuff and the Wi-Fi. And Again, with our anxious kids, they get overwhelmed pretty easily. To have that quiet space can be amazing. And so um, that is something to check into as well. That I did not know. I mean, I knew there were lounges. I'm not like dumb, but I had no idea that they were so accessible and that you could get access to them. And I didn't know that they, I didn't know what they entailed until I saw this app. And I'm like, this is like huge buffet for free. Well, it's not free because you're paying to get in, but it's all like food on tap. Crazy. Okay. So let's talk about the airplane ride. (laughs) These are the things that overwhelm my kids. Um, So maybe your kids are different, but the airplane can be overwhelming. It's really important to download the airplane app because a lot of airplanes now have apps and they can watch shows and stuff right on, you know, their, their electronics. But if you don't have the app, you can't download it while you're in flight and then it's too late. So that's a big bummer. I have my kids bring 
backpacks for each one of them. And so they have all of their stuff and what they need in their backpack. So it's accessible. So there's a little bit more comfort in that. And with my son, with his new thing, with associating flying with throwing up, this is the last two trips, which has been more stressful for me because of my social anxiety. I just don't want him throwing up. And he's like, not cool about it. (laughs) You know, he like, he freaks out. And I think I, maybe I shared this on the podcast one episode, but he like, he locked himself in the, the airplane bathroom and like wouldn't come out. And I had to go get like the stewardess to help me. Like he, he makes it very uncomfortable for me. (laughs) Not that it's about me. So there are anti-nausea medications that you can get over the counter. So we have gotten, um, it's Emetrol, chewables for rapid nausea relief. Consult with your pediatrician. I'm not a doctor, but those actually work very well at calming the stomach. And so having those in his backpack was very helpful because he had full control. And I would say, you're only allowed to take one. And if you take one, let me know, but you have access to it. And so that really helped. The other thing that I did is I got, (laughs) it's going to sound crazy, but maybe some of you get me. So, or you get it. Uh, I did get medical grade throw up bags. <laughs> so they are not hard to get. You know, the ones that you get at the hospital. I got Heal Q hospital vomit bags, 24 pack. And what I like about them is so he got really sick when we were in Bali. He got, I guess they call it Bali belly, which is really kind of like a food poisoning. So it wasn't contagious. It was something that he ate or drank. And it was a nightmare getting him home because it was like a oh, more than a 24 hour journey back home. Because we had to go from Bali to Hong Kong and then Hong Kong to LAX and LAX to Phoenix. And our flight was nine hours delayed in LAX. And he was throwing up a lot of the time. And so very concerned about him. But even though I bring normally like a little, because I have emetophobia, right? So I bring like a doggy bag, like that you pick up poop in and I put it in my purse in case someone throws up because that's what I do. My kids actually do throw up though. So there is a legitimate reason for this, but I ran out of them. And one of them had a hole in it. And so it was a nightmare. And I said to myself, I'm always going to have like medical grade vomit bags on me. <laughs> and they're small. So, you know, they're, they kind of like, they fold up into a little circle and then you can pull them out. You probably have seen them in the hospital. And so I had two in his bag and I had, you know, a couple in my bag. And that brought some peace of mind that we had something if it was needed. So that that's something to consider. The other thing that I bought, which I do not believe he used, but these things just made him feel better during our journey. Um, I bought peppermint essential oil aromatherapy nasal inhaler. I got it on Amazon and it's supposed to help with nausea, motion sickness and stuff like that. And so him knowing that he had that in there was just another thing that made him feel more comfortable. So getting things that your kids need can be helpful. If your child's on medication and you have a psychiatrist, it might be worth um, talking to them about a PRN, something as needed. Hydroxazine, which is really just kind of like an antihistamine, is something that is prescribed for my daughter. And when she's really revving up and she has panic, she takes that and that really does help. It makes her tired, but that does help. So having these things available can be really helpful. Um, The other thing to be aware of is that, and this is crazy to me, but Some psychotropic medications are against the law in other countries. And so really researching what you need to know when you go to another country is important. We Luckily, I found out beforehand because I am such an over planner and such a researcher that I found out in Bali 
psychotropic medications are illegal. And so you need to have, normally what we do is we travel with a pill box. And so I take everything out of the boxes and I put them in little pill boxes and we're good to go. And I bring a lot of stuff because I'm a preparer, you know, and my kids are on prescription medications. They are all on psychotropic medications and SSRI is a psychotropic medication. And so what you need in Bali is um, you need a doctor's note from the psychiatrist listing the medication what they're taking it for, um, the dosage. So we got that and I needed to make sure that they were in the prescription bottles so that we had the original prescription. And you need to only have the amount of pills that are needed for that trip. So if you come in and you're taking the whole bottle and there's you know 90 days worth, that can be a problem. Um, there have been people who have been incarcerated in Bali or in, in Indonesia in general for bringing an ADHD medication and not having a prescription or having it out of the bottle. So super scary to my anxiety. So being very prepared and checking out what you need now from now on, no matter what, I will always have them in the prescription bottle, which maybe sounds like common sense to some of you, but I, I just was like a space saver. And so I never did that, but I will from now on. So that's just something else to remember. Okay. Some other things to think about. A lot of times our kids have a lot of sensory issues. You know, their ears are sensitive. And so Sometimes the jack, you know, and the headphones that they give you on those international flights or on any flight is not comfortable for their ears. You know, I don't know. My kids are super sensitive. And so you can buy a jack adapter on Amazon. Obviously, I do a lot of Amazon shopping, right? <laughs> I don't even remember what it was called. Um, trying to find it. Hold on, I'll look. Oh, I can't find the which one. I don't know which one I bought. And I haven't tried it out yet. I just read about it, but it's Airfly and it's a blue, it's a Bluetooth wireless like audio transmitter. And so you plug it in to the jack where the, the airline TV is, and then you can use your AirPods or your headphones or whatever else you're using. And that's a really big deal for my kids because they're they, everything annoys them. You know, their their ears hurt and it's not convenient. And you got this wire going, and then you're trying to eat this food, and you got this like, you know, you got your tray out and you're tripping on the wire. Like it sounds like you know, first world problems for sure. But these little things can actually make things go a little bit smoother. And so we do that. The other thing is if you're going on a tour, like an international tour, a lot of times they use headsets so that you don't get lost. And we almost lost my son quite a few times in Rome because we were a huge tour group of like 30 something. And he would just get like way in the back and he wasn't listening to what the tour guide was saying because he didn't want them in his ears. They kept falling out and he'd get really frustrated and then he'd throw it down. I'm like, oh my gosh. So if I had had that adapter, I could have plugged that in to the little box, like the little tour guide radio, and he wouldn't have to use their, their earbuds or like their little wired earphones. So I don't know. If you're doing a tour, that actually can be worth its money in that as well. So moving on from there, the other thing I would say just to kind of wrap it up, I was looking at my notes about this. Jet lag is a big issue because our kids already don't produce enough melatonin. Kids with anxiety and OCD, like a lot of times their brain is just not producing a lot of melatonin. And so they have sleep issues, not only because they worry and they ruminate, but also because there's literally a lack of melatonin. And so when you are introducing jet lag to this whole situation, it makes it far worse. And jet lag can ruin an entire trip if you're traveling internationally. And so some people are smart and they like cushion a couple of days before and a couple of days after just to readjust back to the schedule. 
we're normally cramming something in. <laughs> you know, I want like to get the full break. And so we're normally flying in like right before something is going to happen and we're flying out. And then we have like a day before we go back to school. I have gotten smarter to cushion a little bit more. Um, and that does, everybody does better when I do that. But I have found that when we are, you know, upside down with our time, it is better to take a few hours and nap as soon as we get to that location and then wake up and have dinner and be on their time frame and then take melatonin to go to bed and then wake up early or wake up normal the next day. And then normally within a day or two, we're, we're on that time zone. And so if you're comfortable and melatonin is something that you have used or would use, I would definitely recommend bringing melatonin unless you're going to Bali. <laughs> I was so nervous. I didn't bring any melatonin because I didn't know what would be okay and what wouldn't be okay in Indonesia, but I think it probably would have been okay, but it was too risky for me and my own anxiety. But wherever we go outside of that, melatonin is definitely important because we want to get them on the the right schedule because when they're tired, they're more irritable. When they're more irritable, they're more anxious and their OCD or their anxiety pops up a lot more. And so those are all the things that I have learned in the last two and a half years to make things go smoother. And what I have found is that a lot of my kids' issues have gotten better because traveling has been a little bit of a boot camp exposure experience. My kids have gotten used to talking to strangers. We're typically on a tour because I'm traveling alone with my kids and it feels comfortable and safer to just at least meet people and have a group that is kind of guiding me. But so they've, my son with social anxiety has had to learn how to like live next, you know, very closely in close quarters with other people, you know, eating with them and being on a bus with them to be able to get over that. And my daughter, my oldest daughter with social anxiety as well, all three of us, all four of us have social anxiety, had a horrible experience where we were leaving, we were on a cruise, we were coming back from Greece and I packed everybody and you had to like put your luggage outside of the door so they would bring it down. And then you kind of meet your luggage at the, you know, once you're off the boat. And I was in a packing frenzy and I thought I had like moved everything that people needed and I packed her shoes. And so she, we woke up the next morning and we just had our backpacks and she had no shoes. <laughs> and it was mortifying for both of us because like there were no stores open. I mean, not that there's a lot of stores on a boat anyway, but it was just a weird problem. Like she had to walk to breakfast without her shoes on and and she was crying and she was like, and I'm like, well, just go downstairs and like talk to customer service and see if there's like a way that you can get some shoes. And she had to do it herself because I was already like really angry at her. I didn't handle it well at all, but like that was a huge exposure for her. And she was able, she did not get shoes. She was, had to walk off the boat without her shoes. And um, we eventually got our luggage and we found them and then we got her shoes. But it sounds kind of minor, but like for someone with social anxiety, for both of us, it was a huge, huge, scary ordeal because I don't know why. It's just like, it's like, you know, one of those dreams where you're like half naked. <laughs> it felt like that, but it probably wasn't. So your kids can definitely benefit from international travel. I think that is my whole point is even if they are hitting bumps and struggles, like that's like, we pay for that in a treatment center. Like it's, it goes a long way. Like my daughter's social anxiety has gotten a lot better since then. My son's social anxiety is a lot better. His his um, ARFID is a lot better because he's eaten Greek food. He's eaten Turkish food. He's eaten Balinese food. You know, he's like learned how to adapt. He's eaten in Hong Kong. Like he, lo he loves Asian food. So that really wasn't a challenge. But 
he's learned to eat all these things that could trigger his anxiety or OCD and, and he's managed. And so that, that has really helped him kind of expand and take risks. And so that's been a good thing. My daughter, my youngest daughter with sensory motor OCD and the need to pee, she still struggles off and on. She's actually going through kind of a struggle the last week or so, but having to be on a plane and, you know, they tell you, you can't get out of your seat and you have sensory motor OCD that tells you you have to pee all the time. That's a natural, you know, struggle for her. I mean, that's a natural exposure for her. And so doing that on a 15 hour flight, you know, many, many times we've been on lots of very long flights. It's trained her that she can survive, that she can sit there and feel like she has to pee and know that she cannot get up. It's not an exposure. It is not a possibility. Um, and then, so it's a forced exposure and she's been able to grow and deal with that as well. And for me, lastly, for you, maybe, you know, it helps get you out of your comfort zone and teaches you that you can do amazing things with your kids. And I mean, for me, my anxiety was always that I couldn't do these things on my own. I mean, like when my husband died, I couldn't go, I bought tickets to like an art installation, a town over and I got lost on the way and I had a complete meltdown and we actually found it, but I was so overwhelmed. I turned around and took the 45 minutes and we went back home. Like that's where I was at before, you know, I just, my husband always drove everywhere. He was the one that always like planned the trips. He's always the one navigating. And so getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are uncomfortable for you, which may be different, obviously for you than it is for me, but it teaches you that like, you can still live life with kids with anxiety or OCD. It doesn't have to go perfectly. I mean, I could tell you a zillion stories of, you know, some struggles that we had along the way on every single trip, but the overall trip was enjoyable. And we weren't going to be held back just because my kids have anxiety or OCD or because I have anxiety. We want to live life to its fullest because that's, we only have today, right? You just never know. So um, I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that you're finding my podcast helpful in general. If you are, don't forget to hit a star and rate it or leave a review. And I'll probably be reading your review next time because I don't think I have any new ones so far. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.